regardless of the outcome. Boost the positive energy without one. Sorry about the jab, I'm on a holy field. I'm bearing fruit, but demons try to eat them like Yoshi meal. I piss them off the Batman like Falcone deals. Jungle full of predators, I know how Mowgli feels. So I got the fire, refuse to live in fear. I can spot suppliers, eating fresh rubs. Call me private label, I be leaving breadcrumbs. Welcome to episode 70 of the Permaculture Pimp Cast. The only pimp cast on planet Earth where we discuss permaculture, preparedness, and practical living. How you doing, son? Good. How are you? I'm good. This is weird. This is like take three. We never we never redo anything, y'all. It's always the first time, all the way through, all the warts, all the flaws, all that stuff. But this is very different because for the first time ever, we're actually being visually recorded, which is weird. On the pimp cast. Bam! That's what I'm talking about. So it's going to be a little weird. It feels disjointed because we got new music. We got all kinds of different everything. Yeah, the music is different because we can't use, uh, what is it, copywritten music on uh, on YouTube. Well, and I guess to a certain, well, we have permission to use this music. Right. This is basically um, from Joel Thomas and, well, actually Van Tesla and they're going to be, we're, we're working all this stuff out y'all. So it's going to be, you're not really tuning in for the music. You're tuning in for the pimp cast. But so, also the people listening to it right now are probably wondering like, what on earth are you guys talking about? Cause they're listening to it through the podcast service because the YouTube video hasn't coming out, come out yet. So for the people listening to it, as soon as this comes out, stay tuned. Cause there's going to be a YouTube video that follows it shortly. Yeah. So that brings us into our sponsors, which is Hickory Ridge soap from two old crows.com. Turn that simp into a pimp. I almost forgot though. Bam. Before that, we, uh, the permaculture pimp cast is going to have a separate YouTube channel as well. It's not going to be on the perma pastures farm YouTube channel. It's going to be on the Permaculture Pimpcast channel. Yeah, we'll take care of all the housekeeping after we're done the typical routine. So from twooldcrows.com, that's where you get that soap 20% off through the month of February, which is, you know, teetering around to be the end of it. And that is Pimpcast 20. That's what you want to put in there to get that discount. Also, EMP Shield, you get 50 bucks off, especially check out that new promo. It's not a promo. <clears throat> Excuse me. The new edition that they got there, it's called the um, Mini. Well, it's the Mini, yeah. It's, but it's from EMP Shield. It goes on just about everything out there, and uh, fifty bucks off with promo code Perma. And let's not also forget Harvest Right freeze dryers. If you need one, it's going to be down below in the description box, or if you're watching on YouTube, same thing. The little arrow down below. That's where you got to go to get it. Now, don't forget to check us out on the Fountain app, where you can tip a pimp. <laughs> right there you see that yeah you can go to the fountain app you could check out all the stuff you normally watch or listen to rather in terms of your um podcast, your podcast and stuff like that yeah you can yeah. check it out there you can do what i do you could triple up the speed especially if you're just trying to get the content not necessarily for entertainment purposes but also like i said you can tip a pimp over there and you could do it through Sisto or Sats. You know, I, I don't even even know why I even try to pronounce that. Fractions of a Bitcoin. That's yeah. what it is. Fractions of a Bitcoin. That's what you can do. Yeah, so you could tip a pimp over there. But hey, y'all, tip of the day. Now, we told you before, like I said, and for those that are new on board, PIMP stands for it. That's why it's an acronym. Permaculture is my passion. Um, Well... Part we we talk about in this podcast that is permaculture preparedness and practical living, and all of that overlays with one another. It's not just permaculture. It's not just preparedness. It's not just practical living. 
But one, the tip I'm going to give today is definitely get your compost. Start becoming an expert on making compost. And the biggest reason I'm telling you right now, look at all the trains that are derailing. And this is apparently a more common occurrence than I ever knew. Look at that. Look at the trucking issues. Look at the price of fuel. At the end of the day, let's not also consider or forget about the fact that a lot of this nitrogen-based fertilizer, where does it come from? Ukraine. Well, that area, yeah. Right. Well, actually, for us, it's more Canada than Ukraine. But the point being is that these modalities of shipping are only going to get worse as time goes by. Yeah, you mentioned the derailments happen more often than than we thought. What it, what classifies as a derailment? Yeah, and how many of them are like intentional derailments? Like we're taking this train off, yeah, because it needs to be serviced or something like that. Well, so. there's a bunch of that stuff, but also when it when it comes to a lot of the um, a lot of the shipping issues that are going on these days. I mean, right now I'm seeing stuff. They're not even talking about it anymore. But man, just go to the grocery store and common items. Just ain't on the shelf right now. Yeah. Or they're putting half in the bag and then charging you twice as much. So any, anybody's going to tell me 8% inflation. Yeah. Go or, buy those chips I get. Or selling uh, like expired products. Yeah. Oh, or repackaging. That was one of the big things that a lot of these places, especially in the meat departments, they were getting busted for is that they would sit here and repackage this stuff, <laughs> put a new expiration date on it, and then it's off to the races again. Nobody ever cares. As if you can't tell with meat. <laughs> well, you well, a lot of times you can't if it's not that far past that date. But there's a lot of sneaky stuff that's going to be going on. But the reason I'm going back to compost, um, we've done numerous videos on that. I mean, you can find it at Permapastures Farm on YouTube. And uh, if you're here, I mean, there's only so far we can take you when you're, you know, we're talking about this or right. you're visually watching us in this medium. But we've done how many playlists on compost? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know. Multiple ones and different ways of making compost as well. Like the chicken tractor on steroids has its own play has like three of its own playlists. Yeah. Uh the 18 day compost, I think that has two. two or three. Yeah. Two different playlists. Two. Yeah. So there's options for sure. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying is that you this is why I'm saying compost is because the more and more I'm thinking about these things, I'm thinking away the way things overlay with one another and how we have this just-in-time shipping, which is a disaster in and of itself. But guess what? You can pull yourself completely out of all of that by knowing how to produce your own fertility, yep. which is exactly what we're going to be covering later on in the program, how you can take these relationships among your animals, among yourselves, among your other farmers out there, and being able to make something that is of value. And it's really one of the hardest concepts in permaculture to convey. But we're going to cover that a little bit more as we go on. So, well, so it's all it's also the last chapter of permaculture. So <laughs> people might not get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Building society and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it takes some doing, no doubt about that. Yeah. All right. Well, farm news. We've been I've been up to my eyeballs. Man, I I know what's going on. Um trying to make bone sauce, y'all. That is a very, very, very laborious process. And on a on a good day, as far as my interaction with the fire and having to look after it, um, on a really good day, altogether, I might, I don't know, it's hard to say for sure what the time may be, but it takes a fair amount of time. But today, good night, man, with the humidity, what it was, the wood was a little bit wet in some areas. Man, I spent two-thirds of today just trying to babysit a fire yeah you've been burning all day yeah and all for one batch yeah and people why this they wonder why this stuff costs money because 
Well, I'm telling you what, it is, if, if you get it too hot, you will absolutely destroy hundreds of dollars worth of product. Yeah. If you go too short, then you're going to be cooking it all over again. And now it's, it's twice as difficult because your fire management is a whole lot more. I mean, this is why this stuff is so difficult to make. I mean, but yeah, that was what I spent a fair amount of time doing today, but Hey, the weather's been fantastic. Yeah, it's a little muggy. It's way more humid than it usually is around here. Um, but it was still wonderful outside. Yeah, which is weird because, you know, at our altitude, generally there's low humidity. But here lately, I mean, yeah. it is fantastic t-shirt weather. You can't possibly complain about anything. And my goodness, I mean, we're going to take every every advantage of it. Yep. So what were you out doing today? Oh, I mailed off, uh, well, some things. Well, I picked up some things that'll come up later in podcast episodes. Um, I mailed off Seth whole houses, uh, order of operations and design for his property. Um, and then came back, got some rocks loaded up or went and got some rock rocks loaded up for the, uh, what's that section over there by the bull? Like we're going to, okay, we're going to put rock down there. I don't fully know the whole plan with the rock. I was just going to get it. Well, so what is the plan for the rock? One of the big problems has been, historically is over the, look y'all i know some people are they think you're taking me to task by bringing this up because i talk about chemtrails because i talk about you know some of these things that are off the beaten path and a lot of uh people are resistant to certain things but look i'm here to tell you everybody here can vouch for it that every time they start spraying that garbage up in the sky that some people just choose not to see we have weird weather and so it is nearly impossible to predict whether it's going to rain, what's going to happen. They'll tell you it's going to rain and then it doesn't, it doesn't, and then it does. And it all, every major thing happens. It is preceded by a bunch of tic-tac-toe stuff in the yep. sky. So what that, what that means in terms of the rocks is when those, <laughs> when they're up doing that stuff, it's probably going to rain. Well, if it's raining, it's going to make, it's going to be real hard to get out in that field. So we may need those rocks. To get so over there, get stuck getting right, Coco out, right? Getting okay. him out and get him pulled over, and of course he's going to go over to Ben and Denise's at uh, Renewed Homestead. So they'll link up. He'll link up with some cows over there. He's going to have a good time. And now we are going to be strictly a until further notice. We're going to be strictly a sheep operation, pig operation, and chickens. Maybe some other poultry and stuff up in here. But by and large, we have plans that we're not yet going to talk about. I mean. And a lot of them don't necessarily involve him. So for what we have going on and what we're planning in the future, we need as little management. Now, keep in mind, yeah, as long as those freezers are full, we're good to go. But we also know that any given moment, like we did last time when we needed compost in a bad way, we know that we could fire up that chicken tractor on steroids, get all the compost we need, get all the birds we need. I mean, we can even, we've we've done it. We've hatched out our own eggs before. And oh, yeah. Brought them yeah. up on a chicken tractor on steroids. So we know we can mobilize meat at any given time. Getting pigs right now for, at the beginning of this pandemic was a little bit difficult, but now not so bad. So, um, yeah, so we got more than all we – and we're having to give away meat. I mean, we are literally giving away – uh, pork, especially right now, we've yep. given away a lot of chickens because we just got so much. Yeah. yeah so that's, are. that's not a bad place to be. All right, y'all, before we get into the homesteading pastor, just want to let y'all know that here coming up pretty soon, and I'll give you the dates on that. Jason from so the land has actually roped me into doing a, um, a pig butchery down at his place. 
And uh, we're going to be doing that. And then prior to that, I don't have the dates right here in front of me. But remember, go check out the Holler Homestead. Check out the farm where you live, folks. And they're going to be putting on one coming up really soon. It's one of those things. Everybody in the great grandmother is asking, how do I process my own animals today? Right. So I'll give you dates on that in the future. It's not going to be too far off. We're looking at like the end of April for the class that Jason and I, and I think William will probably be there as well. So with that, let's go on to the homesteading pastor himself. Hello, everyone. Pastor Lon here. I got a verse of scripture I want to share with you today. It's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And it reads like this, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am so glad to know that our Jesus is always remains the same. Time can't change him. The culture didn't change him. And guess what? Our opinion can't change him. And whatever he done back in the day, he'll do the same for you and I today. And listen to some of the stuff that he done. He cast out demons. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He walked on water. He calmed the raging sea. He caused the dumb to speak. I mean, he opened deaf ears. He came. To, he caused the lame to walk. He opened blinded eyes. He healed all manner of sickness and disease. And guess what else he done? He died on the old rugged cross that you and I could be made free from the bondage of sin. He got up on the third day, ascended back up into glory, where he sits at the right hand of his Father, interceding for you and I today, ready to come back and receive his bride to church when God his Father says so. So whatever you need today, he's still the same. Just ask him. Pastor Delon was fired up down <laughs> yeah, on that he one, was. wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, so y'all go check him out. Go subscribe. Homesteading Pastor on YouTube. My pastor. The homesteading Pastor. No, it's just Homesteading Pastor. Oh, it pastor. is Homesteading Pastor? Yeah, he, oh. y'all, he's up here. He's tired and he's hungry. I thought it was the Homesteading Pastor. It's Homesteading Pastor. <laughs> just straight up Homesteading Pastor. All right. Yeah, I, it took me a while to, to get out of the, the, which nobody even knows what the definition of the is anyway. So, um, all right, y'all. So if you're new here, we got the bad news, good news section. For every one bad news, you're going to get two good news, all right? So really not a bad place to be these days. Okay. This one isn't necessarily an article. This is, I was listening to, when I was out there burning, seems like all day, the last podcast I listened to out there, and I had a chance to go through quite a few, was uh, Man in America podcast, and he was interviewing Dr. Peter McCullough. And... I said, so I think it kind of, to a certain extent, goes to what we were talking about forever in a day. Dr. McCullough is saying that they are seeing, now remember, we're on YouTube, so you... Oh, yeah. We, okay, yeah. look, I guess if we get busted No, we're here, good. Yeah, we're fine. I, I, it's the pimp cast. Yeah, well, okay, so <laughs> this is something totally different. Oh, look, typically in the YouTube, I mean, in the podcast space, we are... Um, we're a little we we're less cautious. We say yeah. whatever we want, and we're still going to say whatever we want. And if they bust us off of YouTube, check us out on Brighton. Check us yep. out on um, Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, that's where we'll be. So if they cut the feed on this one, you know what time it is. Go check us out at the other places, yeah. and you can always hear the audio version. So anyway, Peter McCullough is saying that with all the people that have succumbed to this jab, and it wasn't COVID, for all those people that have gone down by the wayside and have died it's like there's this crazy thing and we've talked about it to some extent that is going on where these people seem to not care that they've been damaged that they've been i mean some of them lost family members over this thing and it's like there is something that they can't even get their heads around like for some reason they can't get anybody to care 
Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to that quote you always quote. Like, it's easier to convince someone or it's impossible to convince someone that they've been lied to. Well, no amount of evidence can shatter a faith consciously based on a lie. Yeah. And it was a and it was a uh, it was a first class charlatan that came up with that. No amount of evidence can shatter a faith consciously based on a lie. And then when you have all everybody out there from the media sources to you name it, all singing to this same thing, I just don't understand because if it were somebody that I seriously loved or cared about and they succumbed to this, I would be screaming it from the mountaintops. But Dr. McCullough's saying that it's like there's this like this programming almost, like this apathy, this thing that nobody can really make sense of where it's like, okay, uncle so-and-so bought it or my mom bought it or somebody else did. And you just can't get them to care. Yeah. You would think you really can't. And pay and Peter McCullough's like, um, you know, I, I don't even know what to do. So he's sitting here scratching his head about all that. So that's bad news, but look, here's the good news. And it also comes from Dr. McCullough. I mean, that's a first, the bad and the good news all up from the same person. And, uh, natokinase, detoxifies COVID spike proteins from the body. Now, Peter, Dr. McCullough, uh, Peter McCullough, like I know him. Hey, Pete, <laughs> Pete. Yeah. Hey, Pete. <laughs> yeah. Peter, Hey, Dr. McCullough or Peter. Um, I, I really hate this little side note. I really hate calling anybody doctor or any kind of title. Yeah. I really, I, any, any kind of those titles because it's an appeal to authority. And just because that person has PhD, by their name or doctor by their name, or it makes other people think that this person has a greater sense of knowledge or common sense. When some of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life have more degrees than a thermometer. Absolutely. So, um, anyway, Dr. McCullough, MD, um, he dropped another bombshell. Basically this natokinase is a natural enzyme found in, found in fermented soybeans and it's powerful remedy against the Corona Wuhan virus. And I guess spike proteins also. So soy sauce, when you start, is that how you get it? Soy yeah. sauce. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, start eating some all, of that. all I know, man, it, I supposedly it works on the sweet and sour sniffles <laughs> and all the other crazy stuff out there. So, you know, I mean, I'm glad that there we we had talked before and hoped that, um, people would find serious and adequate remedies to what's going on out there. And it looks like that's starting to happen. So I'm hoping this stuff keeps up. Also, on another note, you know, we're talking about these, um, the thing that happened up there in uh, that train derailment. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's all kinds of dioxins and everything going else. Uh, apparently, black tea, theoflavins, theoflavins, I guess that's what you call it. Theoflavins, I don't know. Somebody's probably going to make a complaint about that anyway. Well, supposedly it helps um, eliminate the effects of dioxins. Also, it seems like cruciferous vegetables, you know, broccoli, things like that. A lot of the stuff in your, uh, what's that family of uh, um, the bee, oh, begins brassicas. with the bee, brassica family. I, I kept thinking chlorophyll because chlorophyll is what is also helping like detoxify people's blood and stuff like that. With uh, a lot of these dioxins and stuff like that. Mm. that I just heard that on Mike Adams' uh, podcast. He was saying like chlorophyll. I know chlorophyll, but there's an algae specific. Uh, it's like a derivative oh, of yeah. chlorophyll. I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. But hey, look, it's, apparently it looks like these 
a lot of these things help to maybe, I guess it's not going to chelate this stuff out of you, but maybe it'll help the people that are suffering. At the end of the day, I don't know. All I know is that is good news. All right, y'all, when we get back to it, we're going to get straight into the topic. All right, coming back to it, y'all. Same same show, different topic. If that even made any sense at all. It's still the pimp cast, different topic, y'all. Here's the consequence when you work all day and then it's nine o'clock at night and you're you're doing something like this because the we we have long days even when we're not recording anything. All right, so topic of the day, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, and it has mostly to do with the fact that relationships. Okay. Now bear with me here because there's a bunch of different permaculture is really about relationships. Yeah. And the interaction between them. Yeah. Like two items or two or more items or objects or topics and the relationships between them and nobody. And what's so hard for most people to understand within this whole permaculture realm are the relationships. I don't know why it is, but that's, that is the way it is, at least from my experience is that I remember one time there was a lady that said, and you know who she is, she says, well, we'll just put the permaculture over there. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't really understand permaculture if that's how you think. Well, let's start with zones. Yeah. Because <laughs> it starts at your house. And this is all on the same property. We'll put the permaculture over there. It does. If you say that, you really don't quite understand what it is and the value of understanding these relationships. And they go more than just animal to animal. So for example, if you ever look at the designer's manual, the permaculture designer's manual, and I recommend everybody get one. Um, I've only ever known two people as of late that have actually read the whole thing. It's more of a reference manual. Okay. Now there's this diagram in the book where there's a chicken and then there's like these little arrows shooting all the way around this chicken and all the things that it, let's say it needs or all the things that it can give. Okay. Now, most people in the, in the, because we live in a reductionistic world, most people are never going to say, huh, what is the relationship between that chicken and my garden? It just doesn't happen in America. But in many other countries throughout this planet, that is a big deal. Yeah. That chicken will have already had, in fact, find me a single video of the countryside in, let's say, Cambodia or Vietnam. You will always see pigs. You will always see chickens. You don't have to go to the countryside. You can stay in the city and yeah. find chickens. <laughs> Water buffalo. I mean, right there going down the street. But, hey, the, the point is, is that in these other places that are not westernized, they intrinsically understand these relationships that happen between, let's say, a water buffalo or between a chicken or the garden or whatever the case may be. It is very. It is one of the hardest things that we've been able to – even try to tackle in this permaculture realm in terms of teaching. And folks, we're going to cover just a little bit of it today, but the best way to go about it to really understand it is that when we try to do these videos on our YouTube channel. Now, right. now, son, why don't you, just in terms of, let's say, we'll start with the humble chicken because all this stuff mixed together. What relationship should a chicken have? 
And look, I know this is going to sound rudimentary for, for a certain number of people out there, but believe it, this is one of the hardest points to convey in permaculture. Well, if you look at chickens and you look at its needs and what it produces, so it's assets and liabilities. Some of the assets is that it produces meat, it produces eggs, they scratch, they till, um, they produce fertility in the form of their own you know, manure, they wipe out pests. Some of their liabilities is that they need feed, they need water. They need uh, shelter. Um, they need some sort of like protection as well. Um, now, if you look at some of the other things that you would put on a garden, try to find something that complements a chicken or that provides some of the assets or takes care of some of the liabilities. Um, so like a garden, for example, is a perfect example of what works well with the chicken. The garden provides food. The chicken provides fertility. The chicken fertilizes the garden, the garden feeds the chicken, and then you got a complete system right there. And depending on it's that. It's a very simple complete system, but that is a complete system. Yes. And then also think, let's say it's in terms of an orchard system where you want to be really careful about how your chickens interact within that system. We allow their interaction like in lanes and rows, but they right. don't actually have access to the areas where the actual trees are. So we put them in poultry netting, okay? So <laughs> The farmer is the peer mediator. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. I'm the referee. I'm the referee. That's it. Yep. That's really. And you're you're taking part in the system, but you're managing it. So you, you, believe it or not, are part of this system also because you can't dismiss your own. You are creating the interactions that happen within the system, whether for good or for bad. It's all coming down on you. So you got to figure about figure out your whole your own role in this thing and how much of it you want to be a part. So like you just said, the chicken in the garden, huh? Let's add chicken, garden, sheep. What does that look like? Well, the sheep could be grazing your pastures. Um, they could be getting like for mom, mom for example, she dedicates pretty much a whole bed of kale to just the sheep. But it could be whatever varieties you wanted to. Um, the sheep graze through the pasture. The chickens follow behind the sheep. Um, or you could have another flock fo like following behind the sheep just to interact with the sheep and another flock just with the garden, just to interact with the garden. And I mean, there's two kind of separate systems that aren't two entirely separate because the garden and chicken system still benefits the chicken and sheep system. Not as much, but it still does. Yeah. But you could still like, let's say it's more of a perennial garden type system. Like we have in our orchards There's that where there's medicine actually being grown in there, not only for you. And the chickens and the sheep and the cow and the pigs, there's medicine also in there. So they have limited interaction with some of these things. The point being is that we tend to think, and folks, if I don't communicate anything else, what has to be communicated, what is profound is that we tend to always want to put these things. Okay. How many times just driving up and down the road, do you see a bunch of cows out in the field? Yep. And that's all you see. Yep. You don't see any chickens going behind them when those chickens where not only could you get another crop or another, another modality for making money, let's say out of that field outside of just the cows that aren't really, you know, it's going to take forever in a day. But what if you had cows out there? What if you had chickens? What if you have multi-species grazing going on in the same doggone area and maybe the wood line all around the outside, you got pigs over there too. Yeah. And so instead of you just getting the cows out of the deal, good night. I can't even begin. And now let's say you put tree systems in there. Mm -hmm. Let's say it could be a typical silver pasture system, or it's a system where it's something like us, where we're combining our orchards as part of the silver pasture. 
Right. Which, you know, that isn't often done. I mean, it's more of a Mark Shepard type thing. We just do it a different way where you have all these different interactions. So let's think about this. And folks, it might sound like we're beating a dead horse because this, as you know, is the hardest thing to get people to understand. So do this exercise, no matter the animal. Ask yourself, okay, is there a relationship? Let's say you have rabbits, and let's say that's where you started. Is there a relationship? Or what relationship could I foster between the rabbits and, let's say, the chickens you're about to get? Right. Okay, so now let's say you figure that out. And so just off the top of your head, what would that look like? You could do what Joel and uh, Daniel Salazin do and have the chickens in suspended, or not the chickens, the rabbits in suspended cages, feed them. They poop on the ground and the chickens are on the ground and the chickens go through the rabbit poop incorporating it into, I think, a carbon source in their, for their example. Which will ultimately be? Compost. And if you're thinking, back to the like a previous example, if you're thinking your sheep and cows don't benefit the garden at all, then you're not composting enough. There you go. Yeah. That the manure and the carcass afterwards. Right. So there's there's this and and the word is overused today, but there is this symbiosis between all of this stuff. I get that's just a fancy way of saying working together. Um every single thing, not one thing that you grow in terms of a plant and not one animal should be raised in isolation. But that flies in and of itself right in the face of everything we've been taught in the Western culture or anything that we ever see. Look at look at feedlots. There you go. <laughs> That's the exact opposite of what nature has been showing us. Yeah, and we and we're paying the piper for it. Yeah. So when you have, let's say, an orchard system, um, like we do, okay, you got this interaction where the trees are providing shade, let's say, to the chickens, and if they don't have it, then we will inter- we will intervene on that behalf. It's also protection. Yes, exactly. There's protection and shade. Well, let's say some of that rotten food hits the ground or fruit. Well, it's going to go to the chicken or pigs because they're the ones most likely to eat it. You know, every once in a while you might slip an apple to one of your bovines or your sheep or whatever. But for the most part, there should be, you should be looking for zero waste. Yeah. In terms of everything. So even the relationship of that chicken I'm using chicken, but it could very well apply to anything. That relationship from the time that chicken, let's say you process that thing and it goes in the pot. Well, okay, this is the easiest way to make you understand how that could be used. So this chicken was alive. It ended up in a kill cone, ultimately in my freezer. Okay, so what came off of that animal before we got it into the freezer? The feathers, the organs. The beak. The beak. The head, really. Well, yeah. Um, Feet. Feet, and that's about it. Yeah, so all those different things, and there's parts of the organs like the gizzards and hearts and stuff you may want to keep anyway. Yeah, some people, or mom keeps the feet. Yeah, for collagen and stuff. Yeah, so she'll make collagen. So think about this. On this animal that was alive, had it been in a factory confinement house and it went off to go get processed at Tyson, most of that stuff is going to be in a landfill or it's going to be waste, okay? Think about it. The feathers, everything he cited all the way down will be What's it going to be? Compost. Compost. Every single time. Now, it goes into my freezer. Now, okay, it's in the freezer, and now I'm ready to eat it. Okay, let's say I left this chicken whole. Well, the chicken has things that most people, most humans aren't going to eat, and those are bones. Yep. So what can I do with those bones? 
Well, they can get composted or fed to the. Well, they can be turned into bones, bone broth, um, bone sauce, bone sauce. I mean, there's there's a lot of options. Yeah. By the bone way, meal. bone sauce, y'all, you don't eat it. <laughs> yeah, you bone sauce is a all natural deer repellent. Right. It, it'll be turned into bone sauce, and then ultimately the bones that are left will be turned into bone meal. Yeah. Which we will use over again. There is not one single bit of waste in a system like this, especially when you know, when you examine enough different, when you examine enough systems, you realize, okay, is there anything I'm going to have to throw away in this? Yeah. If you don't find a way to compost it or find it in some other use in your place, then you haven't really thought it all the way through. So can the same thing be done? Let's say a sheep that you process, son. Yeah, absolutely. And that usually when we process sheep and pigs, that's usually the best compost we we make for the year is whenever we have some sort of uh, animal carcass within the compost decomposing. It provides almost like a uh, it like a gel effect almost like it produces more of a stickiness to the compost, I think. Well, I guess it ought to is the red, red blood up in there. Yeah, but it's the same exact thing. The same thing I described with the chickens, whereas there's not one part of this animal that goes to waste. It is the same thing for no matter the animal. And that's the way you ought to be looking at it. Now, you should be asking the same exact thing for, let's say, your garden. You got out here. You should have zero waste. There's It, it always drives me crazy when I would see, like in these neighborhoods, when I'll drive through sometimes, and they got these bags of garden waste. Yeah. And I'm thinking. Bags of leaves. I'm, well, oh, good. Yeah, don't get me started on that because yeah. I'll take it. You're doing all the work for me. Yep. I'm just going to go there and I'm going to take all those leaves and I'm going to take them back. I'll put them in the barn until I need them. <laughs> And they're doing 99% of the work for Pimping them. in the neighborhood. <laughs> yep. Elevating that pimp hand on those leaves. Pop! Anyway, that's exactly what I'm getting at, is that it's if you have any waste in your garden that isn't going into a compost pile, then you're not thinking it all the way through. Or isn't being used as a means, like putting it into the back end of that chicken you know right yeah or the front end or well to the front end and then right yeah. escape escaping out the back end everything should have a cycle so going back to these relationships there needs to be there is not one single thing that should not have a relationship with the ground or with another animal or with your compost piles that's the biggest thing everybody misses well, the, also, we're missing one aspect, and that's the relationship with time as well, because you have to factor that in with your system. So, like, let's say I have a gra grazing system in place where there's sheep grazing through, and then there's chickens following behind them and stuff like that. Well, that system gets bigger the longer I do that correctly, because now it allows for more grazing capacity. I can have more sheep on there or upgrade to a larger ruminant or something like that. So there's an aspect of time in these relationships you need to consider as well, which a lot of farm, I would say almost no farmer does due to the, like the grazing methods they use and very few permaculture designers do. That's a very good point there. But these relationships honestly go on. And in fact, I'm going to hit this from a preparedness standpoint. Now we're talking about relationships, relationships as it pertains to the animals on your farm. But what about the relationships that you have with yourself and let's say maybe your family or yourself or your neighbors or yourself and some group that you want to be a part of? Have you thought about those relationships? Because that's all part of it too. This, the community right. relationship, which in honestly, uh, in all honesty, it's one of the things I'm least good at. 
it's one of the things hardest to find i would say it's yeah. not the, it's not that we're not good at it it's just the hardest thing to find the hardest it is much easier to build your farm than it is to find someone else to like i don't know i don't know how to word that but this is definitely the hardest relationship to build well it was like um like jeff lawton i think said is it's not the work that's difficult it's the people yeah that are difficult and sometimes yeah. that, I mean, that's the relationship between us sometimes, or let's say you have, okay, you may forge some of these relationships out there where you're giving it 110% for your, let's say your neighbor, but you're only getting about 45% from them. So then you got to be asking yourself, okay, is this fruitful? Yeah. Is this worth my effort when I'm giving 110% as it pertains to them? But you only see maybe twenty percent back, and if they're and it making could be family too, it could be family that's doing that. And if they're making decisions off fear, run. Yes, <laughs> run. Yes. that is not someone you want to team up with. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's it a is. Fact. It's going to be a flighty thing because they're going to be all of a sudden. Okay, let's get everything all at once, and then they lose interest. You're stuck doing everything, and then some other event happens, and they're like, "All right, we need to get this now." And it's just another system, and you're adding systems on systems that aren't actually systems. They're just random objects that don't interact with each other. We've been down that road before. Well, more than once where, you yep. know, you're teamed up with some person and it's like, let's do this. And then they're, they fleet out or they fade out or they flake out on down the line. But we've seen it over and over and over again. So this is the part that I'm, I really want to get to in terms, cause we're kind of getting to the shady end of this segment. But the thing I really want to point out is that, all these other relationships I just talked about, you know, you'll find out that the relationship between your chickens and your garden is going to be pretty easy to. That's you, going to be the easiest doggone relationship you have on your farm <laughs> or in your life, Yeah, in your life, because it's the human interactions that you have with your neighbors. And remember permaculture, preparedness and practical living. That's what we're all about. And part of that comes down to the relationships that you have with people around you. And it could very well be your family. Just because you share DNA with them doesn't mean they're good for you. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. All right. When we get back, y'all, we're going to get straight into the Q&A. All right. More of that uh, Van Tesla. Yeah. I don't know why I like that song so much. It's a woke it, summer. Yeah, woke summer. It's like <laughs> calling out everything ridiculous this pa- that happened this past summer. Man, well, there's no shortage <laughs> on that. Pastor Lon sent me a, a little thing a little while ago, and good night, man. This this wokeness stuff, man, it is literally a it's dog a on cancer, man. It's a disease. Yep. All right, y'all. So we're going to get into the Q&A section. I guess I'll kick it off. It's here from Sean. Um, I don't know how this is going to translate on here, y'all, but you know, we'll get we'll, it figured out. Yeah, we're going to work it out. This is our inaugural YouTube thing. We got everything in which we normally do the show is upside down, so bear with us. We're going to tighten it up. All right, Sean, if y'all end up try, if y'all end up trying out your therapy, you got to change your tagline <laughs> to Permaculture Pimpcast from where we put P in the pimp. 
<laughs> I thought he was going to say something yeah, else I totally else. Too. <laughs> that could have been weird. <laughs> could have been weird. Could have been weird. Yeah. Uh, dude, look, I'm going to have to be missing a limb to try the hero therapy. Like a lot of stuff is going to have to go wrong. Like we tried everything else <laughs> and it ain't working. Then yeah. I'll try. Yeah. We had a guest on Christopher Key, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago. And he had talked about it. And honestly, I don't doubt that there may be something to it, but boy, I'm going to need a whole, I'm going to need, I'm going to need a whole. <laughs> what am I taking vitamins for? Way, bro. <laughs> yeah. If you tell me the first thing I'm drinking up in the morning. No, no. no. Yeah. This is from Andy Bowley. Uh, this is on the fountain app. Also guys. Um, great. Sh- uh, guys. Great show. Can you link Nick Burton's website? Burton. Nick Burton, his website, Nicholas Burtner. <laughs> Burtner? I think, yeah, Nick, he wrote Nick Burton. Um, he goes by Nicholas. <laughs> yeah. And it's Nicholas Burtner. Yeah. yeah he's, you want to call the, him Nicholas for sure. He's at the School of Permaculture. Yeah, we can link his website. Um, he also has a YouTube channel called the School of Permaculture. Yeah, go check it out. Uh, so we got one from Casey. I heard William say he was going to provide a source for the knives. I recommend Anvil Bladesmiths. Um, he's, I've been using their knives for a couple of years now. Good quality and good prices. Do you know anything about them? I haven't. There are so many doggone, ever since that show Forged in Fire came out, there have been so many, everybody, bla- everybody started making blades. The downside is that uh, there, I mean, there's just a lot of downsides to it. Uh, the tempering for one is a big issue with a lot of these knives. Uh, especially by these new companies and stuff, because they'll get a new super steel. A new super steel will come out on the market. They'll get it, and then they don't temper it correctly. Like certain, it's almost better getting a cheaper steel sometimes with a correct temper than it is to buy. Well, it's definitely better than buying a super steel with an improper temper. Okay, learn something every day. Sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't. Never heard of super steel, but go ahead. I uh, got one from Cheetah sixty eight. Greetings, gents. If you have the data plan to allow... <laughs> what? That reminded me of that weird Bowflex commercial when I was a little kid. Yeah, grr. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm on top of the world. Like a tiger. Grr. <laughs> anyway, Cheetah68. Greetings, gents. If you have the data plan to allow for it, you should run Waze app, Waze map app when traveling. The data is fed into the map by other travelers and by your passengers. It's helped me because it announces problems ahead, stop vehicles, road debris, potholes, animals or on or near roads, closures and slowdowns ahead. Also cops. Uh, it can real time route you around problems. Hey, that would have been handy driving through West Virginia. I what guess the, that, yeah. uh, that's probably what provoked that. Oh, uh, yeah. Comment. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That so, would have been a good I mean, idea. It, yeah, that would have been pretty handy to know that thing was going to be. Man, I, I still can't even imagine what must have went down with that. The first thing I was thinking is just randomly routing uh, routes to Knoxville. Let's see how many times there's a semi flipped over on the way over oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Hey, thanks for the info. Yeah. Uh, we got one from Buddy. Uh, he lives in northeast Georgia. He's got a lot of rain, a lot of rain over the past year. He says, my half-acre lot on the hill has a large amount of uh, water. It's eroded some of the parts of the hill. Do we have a permaculture solution for any of that? Um, you know, buddy, it's really hard to, or Zeb, well, it says buddy, but Zeb. Okay. I guess you go by both. Um, it's really difficult to give you any specific advice without actually having seen it. That's the hard part about the thing that drives so many people crazy in permaculture is what 
It depends. It depends, yeah. It depends. And you always think that it's a cop-out when you first get into it, and every other time they're saying it depends. Well, it is absolutely true. Like, if you if your hill's too steep and we tell you to put a swale there, then you're going to have a landslide. If your land isn't flat enough or is a – yeah, isn't – if your land is too flat and we tell you to put a terrace there, then you just have, like, a random mound in your – so – and. Maybe a French drain would be the best application. But you don't for you. know. But you, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, you can't possibly say because that's one of the. I mean, yeah, we're just spread too doggone thin. I can't give you any more advice other than that. Is that it depends. Now, if your grade is too deep, too steep. Now, remember when that energy, which is what water is, when it hits, you, I always say it. You can capture it for a little while, deflect it, and even amplify it. And then some t- some cases you can do all three. Yeah. So you got to ask yourself. It sounds like maybe you want to think about deflection or maybe you want to deflect it over and capture it in another place. Those are things you're going to have to consider. But frankly, we just can't tell you with any kind of specificity without actually having seen it. Here's a vague uh, design. You could put a swale at the top of the hill. I mean, without seeing it, but this is just an example of what could be possible depending if your land fits the criteria. You could put a swale at the top of the hill that leads into a pond and now you have a ton of potential energy with that water high up in the landscape. Um, and then from there, you could have like a drainage system that goes into another swale or into just a pipe that goes under the ground into an adequate uh, drainage supply. So those are some possibilities for you. I uh, got another one from Strider47. Well, Dad, this is one specifically for you to read. Man, I can't even see that, dude. What? It's how you say tip a pimp. You got to sing it. Tip a pimp. Yep, that's it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I can't. How are you even reading that? How, Dad? Dude, I need Hubble Space Telescope to even read that writing that small. I don't know how anybody can read that. Well. So <laughs> that what, what did he have to say? That was the whole thing. Hashtag tip a pimp. Okay. Hashtag tip. And you can tip, tip a, a pimp. pimp. <laughs> and you can tip a pimp on a fountain app. <laughs> yeah, you could do it a lot of different ways. This one is really cool. And I wish, hopefully, we get to the point we'll, we'll probably get there in the future. But um, I got one from Zach. And um, good night, man. This one blew my mind. Okay, so I'm going to do the best I can. He's He says, I hope this message finds you well. I'm going to basically get down to it. Now, he's in the 20 degrees where he is. And look at what he's got here. He's got basically a dryer vent oh, wow. going outside. <laughs> and the, I mean, it's, it's a genius idea. I mean, can we even put this up there so you can see it? Yeah, if you send me the image, I can put it up on the video. Well, can you hold it up there close well, enough to where they I, could? Yeah. Son, I'm over here. Okay, so what he's got there is basically his dryer vent is going down. This is the coolest thing ever, man. It's poking through the wall. It's going down. And the moist, warm air from the dryer, he's got making mushrooms out there yeah. for him in this pile. Did you say what is, kind? Huh? Mushroom or oyster? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, no, he, he didn't say it, man. This is fantastic, That's man. That's cool. That is an absolutely cool, what awesome if, idea. What I if mean, you could have the vent? How genius is that? What if you had the vent going into like an attached greenhouse to the house? Could that work? I guess you could. I mean, some of that moisture may not be a wonderful thing, especially on a really cold day. It might. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he just he kicked out an idea there. Y'all, that is what we were talking about with relationships and permaculture. That's cool. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So you gotta you're gonna dry your clothes anyway if unless you're hanging them outside. 
why not have that dryer heat perform some pretty awesome stuff? Yeah. Dude, if I can give you a, like a, you know, a little gold star, bro, you knocked it out of the park on that one. I got to <laughs> give it to you. I got one from Stark Raving uh, Ranch. There is a lot of literature that shows carbon, often referred to as granulated active carbon, GAC, is effective at removing uh, dioxane 1,4 from water. Surely there are uh, some papers that detail efficacy and other aqueous mixtures and solutions. The key is probably the type of material used, coconut hulls having one of the best pore size for effective organic absorption, and particle granular size. I mean, these are exactly the solutions we're going to have to provide. And you know what? I want to bet, I'll bet any amount of money, like everybody, not everybody, but the people actually looking at this saying, look, dioxin is really the perfect poison. I was thinking, like, would a composting system eventually get rid of it? That's, and if it does lock it up, does it actually make dioxin inert? Because the apparently it's not just one for dioxin that, that's the issue. It's like the 258 one as well. That's, That's exactly issue. what I was getting at myself. I was thinking, okay, from a biological standpoint, I would bet money, just like they eventually, like we talked about in the last one where, you know, Paul Stamets and a number of others have realized, hey, these mushrooms can do astonishing things, yeah. even in a nuclear environment. I would almost bet that there is some, and I don't even, I, I wouldn't even want to test it, but I don't know, but I would bet money that through composting, a lot of this stuff could be tied up and made inert. And how much of it... Okay, so around the Ohio River and all the creeks and the watershed that goes into the Ohio River and everything that extends past the Ohio River, I wonder how much of that we could clean up with um, like reed beds and stuff. Well, I mean, Dr. Ingham had talked about a similar thing, like talking about, you know, down in South Texas, man, it used to be the place where, you know, you go to get some awesome oysters and stuff. Yeah. Well, that that is completely wiped out. Thanks to a lot of the uh, industry down there. I mean, it's dreadful when you stop to think what we are doing to this planet, but how incredibly simple it is to clean up a lot of this stuff. I have a question, and it's a moral dilemma, I think, uh, regarding this whole accident in Ohio. Is it wrong? Okay, so if composting would like speed up the, the uh, lockup of all these toxins, is it wrong to have sacrificial herds in order to increase the composting effect on like vast uh, acres of land or like forests or anything like that. I don't know. That is a moral dilemma. Yeah. Because I, there's a lot of this stuff. I, it's, it's difficult for me to just chalk up as coincidence. Like or, those cows or, or whatever ruminants you're using are going to die. I don't know that you'd have to do all that, man. I wonder if there are other ways. I mean, some people are just saying bury the whole dog on place. I, I mean, nobody knows for sure. And in fact, I don't think we're ever going to find out legitimate stuff until, I mean, it's like nobody cares. I yeah. mean, I, I don't even know what planet I'm on anymore. Nobody even cares. And frankly, I'm not really all that anxious to set, you know, to sacrifice a bunch of cows for a bunch of people <laughs> that really couldn't care less. We have a lot of land in the North America, <laughs> so maybe just move on to the next spot. Yeah, you might have to. All right. We got this one here is from human. Um, don't really know your name there. Thankfully. But they were saying, you know, and it, I thought it was interesting. Um, what would happen that if instead of a train of, and this is something of a thought experiment they put out there, and why is it every time you hear about a derailment, it's always some calamitous item? Like, why couldn't, and they use the example here, why couldn't it be vitamin C that just fell off this train? Well, hey, that would still be a calamity. If you don't believe me, 
<laughs> yeah. Dad's been finding, um, yeah, he's been testing my limits on vitamin C lately. <laughs> yeah, well, that wasn't entirely on me. Um, uh, I got a comment from actually one of the ratings and reviews from the Pimpcast app, um, or from the Apple Podcast app, listening to the Pimpcast. This one says, it's titled Perma Normal, and it's from J012. So I absolutely love the show, love all the farming aspects that Billy and William bring to the table, but wow, the latest episode about Mount Graham and conspiracies was amazing. Your guest, told Joel Thomas, has a wealth of knowledge and made this an interesting change of pace for the show. Definitely need more stuff like this and bonus episodes added into your episodes. Well, I sure appreciate that. Um, we're going to try to do more. Some of this stuff, we may have to do it like uh, Seth Holhouse, where some of it is yeah. on YouTube and then some of the more stuff that we know that we're going to get jabbed for. And this episode might very well be one of them. Some Wouldn't of these be things, messed up? Some of these things, yeah, we got banned on our first one. Dude, you know we're, we're doing things right now. Yeah. So if you can't ever find us here, um, or when I say here, I mean that's going to be everywhere, check us out on Brighteon. Um, and there's going to be episodes that are going to be exclusive Brighteon and yep. um, well, right now Brighteon. There's going to be a lot of Brighteon exclusive content coming in the future. Yeah, we might even go live there if we get the opportunity to yeah. as well. Because when you get down to brass tacks with a lot of this, with a lot of this stuff, y'all, we've been saying this is. I am not going to rewire my brain because in the podcast we've been pretty much saying it the way we see it, yep, and the way we think about it. And there's been zero. At first, it took a little bit of doing to get myself around the fact of, hey, I can say pretty much anything I want, at least for now. And then now we're back on YouTube with this. This is part of the – I didn't want to do it. I'll be honest with you. I did not want there this to be a visual medium. I wanted to keep this in a radio sort of realm. But I understand now, I think, the value of also having that – we can reach more people doing the video thing as well. Um, there was a great deal of reluctance in doing it, but I now understand why that could be of great value. But at the same time, there's going to probably be some episodes that you're going to find exclusively over on Rumble and yeah. Right Dion. <laughs> we're going to upload it to YouTube and they're going to be like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, they're going to be like, we got, dude, we'll probably get blasted right out of the gates on the first one. Which, which is crazy that we're not using any profanity, nothing. We're not saying anything yeah. vulgar. And this is something we have to be concerned. Well, we're not concerned about it, but this is something we have to pay attention to. Yeah, we get this one a lot, y'all. Um, this one's from Drew, and I thank you so much for, uh, you know, asking. But says, hey, brother, my name is Bobby. Well, I just thought it was Drew. Okay, I guess it's Bobby. First of all, um, well, let me just get down to brass tacks. He's basically saying we're looking for acreage in Tennessee, and we'd be grateful if there's anything you'd be willing to share. I know you're busy, but I had to ask. Folks, we get a lot of that lately. Yeah. And... Um, I truly wish we could, but we are literally up to our eyeballs. Every time we record this pimp cast, it's at nine o'clock at night. And it's after having spent all day doing farm farming. Work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is in addition to producing, like, let's say YouTube content or content for Patreon. Um, you know, this requires, I'm not just going to sit in here and not, you know, as you can see, I got notes. I don't have a whole lot of them. But I'm basically, we are basically shooting, not from the hip, we prepare the show to a certain extent, but I also wanted that feel of thinking that it's not scripted, which clearly it yeah. is. Which, I mean, we're talking about what we know for the most part, and minus like the world news, good news, bad news, stuff like that. I mean, we're just talking about our 
personal observations and pin, opinions on things. Right. And, and also, mostly facts. Wait, yeah, there you go. <laughs> what else you got, son? Um, I got another one from uh, the podcast app. Always delivering useful information. This is from Boxcar Driver. Billy and William always deliver the goods on this podcast. It is because they don't just talk about it. They live it. I love the passion they bring to the subject, whether it's just uh, if it's a uh, subject, whether it's about what you should put in zone one or chemtrails. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that because, um, yeah, we're going to look, there's going to be, I've gotten some people have also sent emails and they, they were polite saying, Hey, I think you guys are going a little bit off the rails. Okay. Living in esoteric world. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I heard I heard some parody of Madonna's living a material girl song, whatever that was. But that's exactly what we live is in an esoteric world and it's becoming more so every single day. And I gotta be honest with you. It's like John B. Wells at Caravan to Midnight used to always say, Look, if this is not a battle between good and evil, then none of this makes any sense. And the only thing that makes sense a lot of times is, honestly, it is hard for me to imagine that people just of their regular everyday minds are coming up with this stuff. Mm -hmm. I think there is a great deal of evil, and I think almost like a marionette, it's all happening. So how do I fuse that? How do I tell you what's going on in the real world the way I see it? in farming and, and leave this part out. I just, in my brain, I don't know how to do it. If I know for a fact, every single time I get up here and I see him playing tic-tac-toe in the sky, it has happened so many times. I, 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 and it's increasing. It's only getting worse. How can we, how can we express the need for compost without telling you everything that's going on in the world? Right. Like there, there's no way for you to understand the urgency and the need for you to make your own compost without understanding everything that's at, like you can't. I mean, yeah, you have to know about what's happening. But I don't think you can separate that component of the esoteric in all of this. You know, if you want an honest analysis, you're not always going to agree with me and I'm not always going to agree with you. We don't agree with each other all the time. But it's honestly the way I see it, where I'm looking at, I'm, I'm collating all what I think is this data. I'm a farmer. I'm a permaculture designer. I'm a butcher. I'm a businessman. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm doing all these things, just like so many of you out there. And I'm trying to put all these things together in a way that makes sense. And the only way that the status quo makes sense is tying in these other parts. That, yeah. Remember, we talked about, okay, here's why I think we're able to do it is because we are permaculture designers, because I don't see things. I am no longer, I've rid myself of that reductionistic worldview. Like, let's say you got high blood pressure. Well, here's your pill. No, I want to look at holistic and like, okay, you got high blood pressure. Let's find out the cause. You watch the news. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the point being is that you're looking for a holistic solution, not a reductionistic solution. Well, it's going back to the same thing is that we, when we overlay all the different components in all of this, we've got to be able to, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say we, I'm going to say I have got to have some answer that makes sense. And I think it's far beyond, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you know. I think it's far deeper than what those things are. So anyway, that's why we bring this esoteric into it. And then when I have a weird experience, like I'm out in, you know, Arizona, and I'm there and this sort of thing happens, okay, well, it only makes for... I. I don't know. I like to think it was maybe a 
An interesting story. I mean, it was my story, so, I mean, it was interesting to me anyway. (laughs) That brought up a book and got kicked out. (laughs) Yeah, bring up a book. Yeah, you talk about that book. Oh, And it it wasn't the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. How about that? How about that? Yeah. So we get, but look, we're going to do more of that too because there are people, I don't want to tip our hand right yet because I haven't even reached out to some of these people, but in the future, I want to get some of these other folks on. Yes, we are primarily a permaculture preparedness and practical living, but part of that preparedness means we're preparing our souls as well. Yeah. If you didn't believe me, that's why we bring on homesteading pastor. That's why we tell you to go check him out. Because if you, if in all of this, you lose your soul along the way, then what was any of it worth? I don't care what those potatoes look like. All right, so you got anything else? <laughs> that's it. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for us. Until next time, stay alert. Stay alive. Or savers are citing. Why are you looking around so surprising? When it goes to hate, don't want to get into that language. Going right to left like a manga, then left to right, they in language. My fur lies a little different. Yours don't make me better than you, though. Cause it took me time to see the truth, to see the end game like a Russo. But that don't mean a bad fingers when we come.